Hi, and welcome to TK Business Live. I'm Tara Dimmick, and it's great to be with you this Saturday. A quick shout out to our sponsors and underwriters, the Topeka Independent Business Association. You can learn more about them at topekatiba.org. But they have been behind us and doing great things for um, the TK and TK Business Live and have loved having them as a partner. And we have some new partners as well. So you've heard about it from the last weeks, but Peggy's Tax and Accounting, as well as Lawyers Title of Kansas, are big supporters and underwriting and helping us make TK Business Live happen. And today, ironically, I wasn't even thinking about it, but um, we have the Topeka Independent Business Association's president for this year. So Kristen Scott is with us. She's the president of Scott HR. Welcome, Kristen. Hello. Welcome, Terry. So we're going to talk all human resources because that's what you do. But anything you want to mention about the Topeka Independent Business Association and being a president and what this year has been like now that it's gotten started? Yeah, well, TIBA is has been um, formed. We are 2020 will be our 10th year. So we're really looking forward to a really big celebration. And I'm not sure if I have change agent tattooed on my forehead or what it is, but um, in collaboration with many others, uh, we really identified strong speakers, strong topics. And this year we're rotating our meetings. So we kind of have a theme this year. Our theme this year is Celebrate Topeka. So part of that Celebrate Topeka is, you know, we're going to places like the Foundry, the Brownstone, the Pennant, Cyrus Hotel, and we're doing a special um, networking event down at Noto Art District on the first Friday in June. And we're just doing a lot of really um, exciting things this year. We're about to implement a group health insurance plan, we hope. It's, you know, all dependent on how many people respond to the questionnaire. Um, Which, for for a historical perspective, because I was back there 10 years ago, that was the key piece of what TIBA was founded on, was as a, a small business, you had a really difficult time getting good health insurance for your employees. But if we could come together as a large a large collaboration of businesses, then we could work cooperatively and be able to get health insurance together. So TIBA was created with that in mind because in Wichita, they have the Wichita Independent Business Association, which was very, very successful with this. But during that time, that was when all of the health care changes happened as well. So mm-hmm. we went from really diving in to that to then immediately diving out and um, waiting for this moment in time to happen where group health care could, could be a, 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 an option again. Yes, there's been some recent legislation that allows for us to do the group healthcare association plans again, and um, you know, hopefully next year we'll be able to even introduce like a 401k and additional uh, ancillary benefits that we could offer. And awesome. we're just really excited. We have a lot on our plates and a lot going for TIBA, but we have a great team and wonderful sponsors and participants. The next TIBA meeting is the second Tuesday of April, and we've got Caleb Asher, who I adore, um, and he is the owner of Sprout Communications, and he'll be talking about maximizing your referrals, um, and that's at the pennant. So, like, yes. I, I just talked to Erica, who's been helping us coordinate um, the different events, and she was talking that we're having a hamburger bar, a pennant hamburger bar, where it's got, like, you grab your bun, you get your hamburger, and then you, like, got all the toppings, the pennant toppings to choose from, and so I think it'll be a really... Yummy and fun and educational, like everything you want from a, a lunch session that you're going to go to. Well, that sounds exciting. I'm glad I'm in the know now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll slowly get you there. Um, 
So let's talk HR. So yeah. um, there's all kinds of topics we could talk about. I, I actually, when before we got on, I sent um, uh, Kristen a list because I was like, okay, what's hot topics? And these were some of the hot topics that, that we I found more online that we're getting a lot of talk about. So workplace flexibility. This has been talked about for years. There's those that are for it and those that are against it. And I would say, like, when I think about it, I've always I've always worked from home because of my own business. But even before that, I had a small business owner that I worked for. And so I've always had a good relationship with this workplace flexibility. But I have a really high work ethic, a um, little bit out of control. So tell me, how about workplace flexibility? What What is that? Is that, do you see it happening? I actually think workplace flexibility is an awesome thing to do. Of course, from the business owner perspective, they're concerned that um, people will just, you know, goof off while they work at home. And I'm like, okay, well, we understand that. So there's just that all that means is you have to put in measurements or expectations in place. Um, And it also means, you know, you need to make sure that they're still connected to the office. So there's probably like a mandatory one day a week, come into the office, you know, attend a staff meeting or whatever it is, you know, network with your coworkers. Um, you know, and the reality is if somebody gets up at 6 a.m. and they work from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., who cares? Um, if they, you know, they will can still check their email. But many bit of, let me get back to what business owners are concerned about. You know, they're concerned that people won't do what they're supposed to do. But then also to protect the business, you really have to make sure that they have good internet, you know, do the, if somebody was injured, they would fall under your work comp. So sometimes you want to check out their workspace. They clearly have to have a dedicated, you know, this isn't their kitchen table. This isn't their living room couch when you work from home. You need to have a operational desk and, you know, pieces of equipment that you would do. I think working from home, you know, I've done it for over 11 years, worked places before that had some flexibility. Uh, Just like you, you have a great work ethic. I have, I'm very self-motivated and driven. And so we can get things accomplished. Now, we're of that type. Somebody who is not self-motivated, they're probably not a candidate. To work at home because they will be distracted. Now, the other thing companies worry about is, oh, well, if I offer it to one person, I got to offer it to all. Well, technically, I understand the concept, but no, you can't. Not every job is suited to work from home. Your front desk receptionist can now work from home and still greet people who walk in the door. Right. But I don't see any reason why your accountant couldn't work from home and, you know, run numbers and uh, reports and different things. So it's all job driven. And I think working from home is a great benefit that small employers really have the benefit to offer. Yeah, I, you know, what I've had, I've I've done both. I've had employees and then I also use freelancers and, and freelancers are similar in the fact that but but there's there's this caveat for me that I love about freelancers is that they know they have to get the work done, the project done, and there is a payment attached to that execution. And um, so that makes it a really friendly situation. I really like that. And the biggest hiccup I've run into is exactly what you talked about, where I've had people who have worked for me from home. And if I don't do the work to make sure that they stay connected to me, 
then a couple of weeks could go by and I haven't really done the check-ins I should have done mm-hmm. where they feel connected to me. They feel connected to the work. They might be doing the work, but they don't have that that link that they need to be able to feel like they're a part of something. And I found that like video chats help if, if um, it's hard to get together. But video, there's something about seeing someone and not just talking to them on the phone that um, really makes a difference or just getting together for coffee um, to do the check-in and just make sure your staff is still doing the things they need to do. And they have the support to ask the questions they need because the other hiccup is at six in the morning. I might not be working at six in the morning and they run into hiccups. How are we addressing that time difference? So I, I think it's a really powerful tool and it's a way to get some employees that you might not be able to have access to if you don't be, if you're not flexible. Right. And, you know, working from home isn't perfect for everybody, but I think for the right person, it's a great uh, opportunity. So companies should open their minds to that concept. So if a company is getting ready to do it, how does that work in their, I'm I'm asking for a friend, right? Um, (laughs) How do they think about it on their policies and their, their policy manual? Because like you said, it's not a fit for everything. So is it part of the job description? Is it an option? Like, how do they manage through that mud a little bit? Right. So typically, we don't include that in employee handbooks because if you include it in the employee handbook, then that means it applies to everybody. So instead, it's a standalone uh, policy that's more of a case-by-case. And you actually would create a telework agreement and you know they would agree that the company could come in and view their workspace and you know that they they will ensure that they have a decent internet size and you know make sure that it's well lit i mean all these you know interesting nuances that you don't really think about um and then there are like i mentioned earlier they must be checking in with you they must have a physical day in the office and you know you always start this out on a trial basis You don't say, hey, we're going to implement this and we're sure you're going to be wonderful at it. Um, You know, and some people, they can work from home and because there's no co-worker interruptions, they can actually get work. So much more work done. So much more work done, you know, and they may not work eight hours and actually think that's all right. I mean, how many hours are spent in the office not doing work? And now the connectors and the relationships are value. So I don't want to discount that. But how many times do you get interrupted in an office space? Just because you're there and available. Just because you're there and available. And that's where they land. And so they're taking their 15 minute break and taking it with you while you're not taking your 15 minute break. So it it definitely plays out. Okay, so let's jump topics. So one of the things that I hear a lot is conversations about how do I even get employees, right? Everybody's looking for every employees. Everybody's struggling to find the right employee, the best employee, and just a body to work sometimes, right? Like I just need somebody. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, we really feel like uh, prospective employees are looking for something. How do we tell them? How do we talk to them? What do they need to know? What attracts a, a prospective employee to come in and apply? Yeah, well, so, What's the first thing that an applicant sees? They see your job posting. Well, I hope it's not the normal humdrum, hey, we have a job open, these are the skills that we need, these are the tasks that you will do, and these are the benefits we provide. Yes, you want all of those things there, but you have got to take a step back and go, okay, 
what is fun about us? What is unique about us? And then hopefully throughout the course of your existence, you've created something called core values or guiding principles. And why are those important? Well, core values are, um, they, they kind of tell who we are on a regular basis. You've probably heard of Patrick Lencioni. He wrote the book, Ideal Team Player. Well, in that book, they t- his core values that he talks about are humble, hungry, smart. You know, uh, Scott HR's core values are reliable, responsive, and relational. So, you know, you got to find something and it has to have meaning for what you do and who you are. And then once you find those three core things or four, not more than five, please, um, make them fun. I love alliteration. Those are just things that you can do. And then you define them. Once you define them, then you can start incorporating that into, well, lots of places where we're focusing on hiring right now, but you can bring that into the job posting. Talk about what's neat, unique about you. Uh, we are doing um, some work with uh, a company in another city. And when I was talking to the manager yesterday, he's like, well, we are tacos and tequila. I'm like, well, that's awful fun. That's what should be in your job posting. You know, so you just got to think about what are those things. Um, and so we just work on that. And then <laughs> applicants already have a rose-colored glasses. So it's really important to give a realistic job preview. You know, tell them all the great things, but go ahead and tell them about the, the worst day or the worst moments on the job. And why do you do that? They're, they already have the rose-colored glasses on. You can tell them five times, and they will hear it, but they won't catch it. And you can even tell them their first day, their first week on the job, until they experience it. Eventually, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I think I heard that before. But if you give them an idealistic preview, then they're going to be a little bit more heartbroken as time goes on. And the other thing, I mean, once you get somebody hired. Well, this is really interesting. I just was uh, helping a new manager onboard an employee yesterday and the new hire, I said, so you just moved here from Texas. Great. You've, I'm sure you've been applying for many jobs. What made you pick us? She goes, well, I applied for multiple jobs, but Scott HR, you were very responsive. You were the first one who reached back out to me. You asked for my application and got me scheduled for a phone interview and that's why I chose you I thought hallelujah for you know everybody we got a new employee out of it we got them a good wage and they're happy and we filled a spot now right now we have to draw in we got lucky she just moved here (laughs) but you know we're really trying to connect with those that are happy in their jobs so if people are happy in their job, how do we get those passive applicants to look at our job postings? Well, social media needs to be the place where you're going. Uh, some people do still use print, and print is good, uh, but you know that's probably not where you're going to get most of your applicants. You know, I saw my daughter, she was getting ready to get a job, and she has a glass door, and that yeah. is what she's looking at, which I... I feel almost silly about because I have never, you know, I was coaching somebody and I was like, oh, well, you need to be on Indeed. You can look at, you know, all these different, different sites. 
And she is focused on Glassdoor. That's the app that she's, I, I'm assuming it was an app that she was looking at. And yeah. um, and it was fabulous. I mean, it showed the ratings of what that company was. And you could see compared to each other, like this is a 2.7 and this is a 4.1. And all of a sudden you're like, going, well, I, you now are validating that that company's validated right there on Glassdoor by the ratings they have, which I think is another critical piece of this is, are you paying attention mm-hmm. to that? We we have um, our own discussions within um, Invista where we've talked about a critical focus on our reviews because we've never really felt like we needed to focus on that. We're not a restaurant or anything like that. But now it's like everything has to be focused on what are the reviews saying? How are we responding to them? Right. When you get reviews online, you know, and that's kind of what determines the character or the values of the company as well. I mean, you can't be in business for very long without somebody complaining about you. And, you know, it's how you handle those complaints. You know, do you learn from them? Do you say, hey, uh, well, it'll be different in the future and here's why and this is what we're going to do. You know, mistakes are bound to happen. It's what you do with the mistake that will set you apart uh, and help you grow. If you don't grow from it, then, you know, you might as well. Ah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so you talked about core values and setting the guiding principles. So go a little deeper in that because one of my next questions is, and I think we've talked about this in the past, but I think it's a critical piece of employee retention, and that's the performance reviews and really not even performance reviews, right? Right. Uh, I, I, so many people will call them annual reviews. And that kind of breaks my heart when people say, I do an annual review, because that tells me you only talk to your employees intentionally about goals once a year. And that really shouldn't be what we're doing. We're really focused on performance coaching. We want to coach our employees or our team members, staff, associates to greater performance. And you know, you can't coach them to go somewhere until you establish what the expectations are and until you've established the expectations you don't have any boundaries and if you don't have any boundaries you don't have any respect you know it's all so foundational and you know i working with a small group of executive leadership team and they're kind of all new to that role you know leadership concepts by themselves are not um difficult it is making the time and commitment to doing the activities where you are having intentional interactions with your people, making them a priority and focusing on them. uh, We're working with a client and I just love them. They're just fantastic. But they have four locations across multiple um, cities. And So this year, their kind of focus is intentional interactions. So what they're doing is we are having all the managers from the four offices come together and we're making a peer group. And so that peer group can talk about their daily struggles, their daily successes. And then they're going to become more of a network. Okay, you know, you talk about, well, we're four different companies. Well, really, we're not four different companies. We're the same company with four locations. Let's maximize our efforts. Let's really build, you know, come together and problem solve. So we're pulling together the manager group. We're pulling together even the front staff or the front desk people and letting our first impressions coordinators come together and you know, visit the other offices. That's the other 
piece that's really important. So we're rotating where these meetings are. And I understand meetings are a significant investment in time and money, but meetings it tell people I care about you, you're valued, um, and this is um, going to help you be more connected with your people that are just like you so you can problem solve better. So you're going to have more of that cross-pollination, so to speak, of office to office, and they're going to feel like, you know, they have a partner that they can call. So I, I love that with that particular client. And, you know, I think peer groups are just really, really important for everybody. And um, I, I know as a business owner myself, you look at a meeting and you're adding up the dollars that are sitting around the table and you're going, how, how are we about done yet? And you just have to realize there's value there. And, um, yeah, so make but your I meetings think, count. That's, there you go. That's what it is, too, though. Like when you bring the right people into the room, and you put them together with an intentional thought, it's amazing what happens. It's when, I think it's those meetings where there's there's a, a reason for meeting that was created a couple years ago, and there's been no intentional thought since those, you know, years ago, but this is what we've always done, and we always get together, and this is what we do at this meeting. And it's like, whoa, 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 time out. A couple years have passed. Let's have a reevaluation of this meeting. And I love that that connectivity. I also, I love the intentionality. I think that I um, I have a team and I adore them and I talk to them on a daily basis. And then I, we, we, our goal is to have a monthly meeting. I have questions I ask them about their goals, what they hope to achieve, you know, how we can partner better, what I could do better um, as, as a, their, their boss or supervisor. But um, maybe, maybe mistakes I'm not seeing, things that we could do better as a company. I just ask them at all. And it's usually about an hour, an hour and a half of, of a time which the intentionalness of having that meeting is so critical because otherwise I've had it. I've done it. Weeks have gone by and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm into two months away. We've, we haven't met for two months. And I know that that could go on to three and four. And I ask them to hold me accountable for not having those meetings. And mm-hmm. if, if time has gone past six weeks and we haven't had a meeting, then there's, they, I want them to call me on it. And I appreciate that they do. Right. I actually, um, I'm sure everybody has heard of one-on-ones and um, I'm doing some executive coaching with a lady right now. And I said, so how are your one-on-ones going? Talk, you know, walk me through what you talk about. And when she was sharing with me what her one-on-ones were, um, it, it kind of felt like a, well, I caught you doing something wrong oh. session. I'm like, oh, sweetheart, no, that's not what a one-on-one is. You know, a one-on-one is you know, to ask, so what have your successes been since we were last together? You know, what have your challenges been? Um, what projects are coming up for you? How can I, as your boss, be better? You know, what can I do for you? Um, and, and then I had another coaching session with somebody else, and they said, oh, we talk every day. So isn't that like a one-on-one? I'm like, um, no, that's not like a one-on-one at all. So I it taught me a couple of things. We have to be very clear what the one-on-one meetings should be. And secondly, the real success, back to what you were saying about meetings, they must be scheduled. I am a highly organized and dare I say, sometimes obsessive about consistency. 
So, you know, I would prefer to say that my staff meetings are every Tuesday at 9 a.m. And everybody knows that. So if you have a doctor's appointment, don't schedule it on the second Tuesday at 9 a.m. And by gosh and by golly, I don't get the option to change that either. You know, why? Because if we change that as the leader, we say, the, something else Doesn't is more important to you than you. And that's not what mm-hmm. the message you want to send. Now, with that being said, are there always exceptions? Yes, and I never want to be a hypocrite. Yes, we just canceled a staff meeting one time <laughs> recently. But it was due to, you know, like spring break and all these travel things. I mean, so there are times, but that is the first time in 18 months that we have canceled, delayed a meeting. So, you know, yes, there are times it happens. Um, you do have to be flexible, but generally you have your scheduled meetings and you hold true to them. So, so many topics that we could go over. Is there any other hot topics that are kind of at the tip of your, you know, what you're thinking about that you hear from, you have so many clients and, and well, you know what? I said that I'm taking it back. So sorry, I'm taking it back. I want you to tell us a little bit about how you work. How, how does Scott HR work? How does that relationship work? I mean, you mentioned you work from your house. You have, you have staff, you have a team, and then you also have all these clients that you spend time with. How does that relationship work and, and what's the client like? Yeah, every client is unique and special. We love them all. And, you know, it really is about the relationship. And, um, you know, so we are intentional about listening to them. And, you know, I know you said, <laughs> you work from home. I mean, that's almost laughable. Um, She's never at her house. Like today, this morning, you know, I was at a meeting at eight o'clock and uh, I have back, I frequently have back-to-back meetings all day long. Now, clearly, Kristen needs to take her own leadership um, advice and learn to delegate more. (laughs) But, um, you know, and we do, we just kind of divide and, and conquer you know, and every client wants a different thing. While we may, you know, some clients, we facilitate their staff meetings for them. So we're very hands-on. Some, we, you know, just kind of do a, a real quick analysis of some applicants and refer the top ones. Others, we are there, you know, facilitating the interviews for them. Um, We, some clients, we just help the managers walk through their performance coaching uh, meetings. Um, Others, we actually deliver the performance coaching meeting. Um, So everybody's different and some just have desire more connectivity, so to speak. And, you know, I think a lot of that is reflective of not that they don't know what to do or how to do it, but they just feel more comfortable having that, you know, expert there that is with them and kind of holding their hand and saying, you've got this here, let me show you. And, you know, frequently that's what we do too. I was with um, some folks in Kansas City and, you know, the message was, hey, I'm here because this is the first time she's, you know, had the opportunity to deliver this review. So basically this year I'm role modeling for her and hopefully she'll be able to do it next year. But if she doesn't want to do that, I'll be back with her, you know? And, uh, you know, you learn, uh, you have some clients that make really quick decisions. You have some clients that, you know, um, drag their feet. 
interestingly, I had a, I have a client, they're not in Topeka, I'll just put that disclaimer because you know, I don't want anyone to try and figure out who they are, but they have about 30 employees, they have a couple of locations, and they have, have a five-person executive leadership team, okay, and they've all kind of been on that team for a while, um, but we had an individual um, who's been with that company for like 18 years and been in the leadership role for quite some time, but they had just never really stepped up to the leadership role. They weren't really doing what they should have been doing, but it's a smaller community. So they really, you know, they are compassionate and they just take a while to terminate, which is good. That's okay. Um, But we, something happened and I said, Mrs. Client, you've got, we've got to go in a different direction. She goes, oh, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. That was July. Okay. July, 2018. February, 2019. We finally, actually, well, we, we finally parted ways. We in fact loved them to a new job. And, um, last week, I got an email from Mrs. Client. She goes, Kristen, you were right. Did you hear me? You were right. Yes, you were right. I will always listen to you from now on. And, you know, she's like, I no longer feel like I'm judging or being judged. I'm no longer babysitting. I'm no longer fixing mistakes. I'm no longer, you know. So it making a termination decision is very excruciatingly painful. None of us want to do that. But, you know, this sounds contrite, but quite frankly, it's the other person's actions that put us in this dilemma to begin with. And there's more to lose than just that person. There is, you know, it's the toxicity, it's the morale of the other staff. It's, you know, you have great performers and they're like, well, if they can get away with it, you know, how long should I cover for them? Or, you know, why don't I just go get a job someplace else? The last thing you want to do is lose a valued employee. And, you know, I see it where valued employees can get pushed to the brink, but, you know, we can't say, well, it's coming. You just need to be more patient. I mean, you just can't do that. Okay. So we are out of time. So give me the, the quick rundown. Um, where can the people learn more about you? Where do they need to go? Yep. So I um, I'm always available for new discussions with new clients. I'd love to meet you. You can you know, the easiest way for would for us to connect. Go to our website. It's www.scotthrscottthr.com. And you can find a contact us page and you just send it in. It'll make its way to my email. And then I'd be happy to set up a initial consult, free initial consultation meeting. And, um, you know, we'd be happy to see if you're a good fit for us. Awesome. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me. Go check out Scott HR and have a fabulous week. Rock on.